is the Big Church Podcast. Well, good morning, Big Church. Is it super hot in here? Asking for a friend. Like, sweat's already rolling down my back. I have another question for you. How many days is too many days to use dry shampoo? Pastor Rich that on Friday after it had been four days and um, I stretched it another day till Saturday asking for a friend and you may be wondering is it okay to slide into girls DMs well I don't know the answer to that but Pastor Brandon does so go ahead and ask him that's how he met or started dating Casey. But guys, to get serious, today's talk is titled, How Far is Too Far? Asking for a Friend. On our SEU trip to Nashville, the boys went home a day early and it was just the girls and I sitting in the living room. And it got real. Like, they wanted to know the answer to how far is too far. And if you know me, like, I can talk about anything. I do not get nervous. I don't get anxious. I'll just talk about it right there and right then. And I began to even blush in that meeting. I was a little nervous. But you know what? One thing I am committed to is raising the next generation on God's word. And so I was vulnerable and answered the hard questions that day. I allowed them to ask me anything. And I believe that our society is where we are today because we've allowed it. Culture has been so loud and the church has been so quiet. We're hidden back here, hiding from the things that we need to begin to confront. I believe that we've given up our right to train them. We've given up our our truth of what we know, and we've allowed the devil to dumb down and back us in a corner and manipulate us to believing what culture says is how far too far. Because the Bible says that it's the truth that sets you free. And the enemy doesn't want you to know the truth. He doesn't want you to stand on the truth. He doesn't want you to take your Bible and say, no, I don't think I agree with that. It's like the story of the frog and the boiling water. If you've not heard it, I'm gonna share it with you. So there's this pot of boiling water and there was a person that dropped the frog in the boiling water. It immediately hopped out. However, the second time they put warm water, cool water on the stove and began to heat it up and the frog boiled to death. That's what's happened in culture today. Culture is fickle and it's always changing, but the word of God does not. Isaiah 48 
says the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. And the New Testament says Jesus is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. And 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture. That means the one that we don't want to believe. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, not their lives, our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God has not changed his mind about what is right and what is his word. Can we pray? Father, we come to you today. God, we're asking you to search our heart, to soften our heart to your word. And Lord, I pray that even though I wanna bring this with strength, I wanna do it in grace. So would you let grace drip off of my lips this morning? And Lord, I'm just going ahead and asking you because we have not, because we ask not or we ask amiss. I pray, Lord, that you fill these altars at the end with people who are ready for a change in their life and the lives around them, that they are going to stand up to culture. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I want us to look at the story of David and Bathsheba as I try to answer the question, how far is too far? I am not going to be reading verse by verse, but I am going to challenge you to go home and this week in 2 Samuel chapter 11, and I want you to take it verse by verse by verse, and you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you what you need to apply to your personal life. So the story starts like this. David's army had gone to battle and David decided to stay back. One afternoon, David had just woken up from an afternoon nap. Sounds like Pastor Rich. And he began to go out on his balcony and look over the city. And a pretty little thing that was on her rooftop taking a bath caught his attention. That day, lust was birthed as soon as he saw Bathsheba naked. Then it spiraled downward from there. Let's face it, gang, we are bombarded with sexual images everywhere we go. We can't drive down the interstate that we don't see uh, images that would grab our attention. We can't watch commercials or TV or movies or, you know what, we can't even go to the grocery store that smut is not in our face. And it goes on and on and on. And I'm here to tell you today, God designed sex and marriage. And he designed it between one man and one woman forever. And he designed it to be good. He designed it for pleasure and procreation. But lust begins with an image. And the image leads to thoughts then thoughts burst a long list of unnatural and sinful actions, like pornography. 
I'm here to tell you today, do not believe the lie that the enemy has put out there that there is ever a good time to check out pornography because there's never a good time. Pornography acts like a drug on your brain and it becomes, for some people with addictive personalities, an addiction. What about fornication? Or for this modern day society, that's sex before marriage. Culture says, hey, it's okay, try it out. How are you gonna, we just did some pre-marriage counseling yesterday and I said, don't believe that lie. Because everything can be learned. You don't have to try it out. Just communicate and you'll get what you want. Amen? Amen. 95% of people have sex before they're married. And 80% of Christians have sex before their marriage. I'm going to get vulnerable. I had a baby before I was ever married. And I was a Christian. It's running rampant. We've believed the lies. What about molestation and rape? It's everywhere to the fact that right now there are older men and women taking advantage of younger kids in their own families. It's out of hand. One million children, Lindsay, get sex trafficked every year and 3.8 million adults. Lindsay's about to leave in one week now, right? To go out to LA and fight sex trafficking. So we must answer the question, how far is too far? And I don't know about you, as a Christian woman, all these statistics are too far for me. Hope Line Counseling Center says, and I quote, lust literally means over desire. It is when you take something that's good, hello sex, twist it and add cravings to it so you are consumed until you're gratified. Why do you think that online pornography has 81 million viewers a day? We've got this little desire that we want gratified. Don't you think it's imperative that the church get louder? Talk back to me. Don't you think that it's imperative that the church get louder? We've got to teach people how to fight the temptation of lust. And in Romans 12, 2, it tells us how. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. We have to begin to when the image happens, not let it go to a thought. But if it does go to a thought, we've got to say, oh, no, 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 not today, Satan. You are not going to get me off track today. Let's look at David. The image of Bathsheba bathing created lust. That lust turned to a thought And that thought turned into an action. You know, David not only said, hey, who's that pretty little thing? But he sent for her to come to his house. And 
One thing led to another as, all, as what always happens with a slow fade. When you make the first mistake, it's easier to make the next mistake and the next mistake. And the slow fade led to them having sex and committing adultery because they were both married. I can just imagine King David justifying his, his behavior. Well, I am the king and... Nobody's probably going to know. I'm probably going to get away with it. And then he might have been even saying, you know, it's not really that big of a deal. I'm just wanting to get to know her. But what happened was that slow fade. How many things are you justifying in life right now that one day you thought were morally wrong? Guilty. I knew today was going to be a word of truth that we needed to hear, but one that was going to be hard to speak. And I shared with Pastor Rich on Wednesday, I was like, "Uh, I still don't have anything. That's how bad the enemy doesn't want this message of truth going forward. He almost shut my mouth completely. He almost made me not do this, but God is faithful. He was faithful then. He's faithful now. He's got a word for you, and it is time to step up to the plate. I'm so sick of Christians, me, being weak and not standing up for my God and his word. Emotional affairs start. I'm going to go there. People are like, well, that's not sinful. Well, it is because it's a slow fade because we start to justify. Well, I'm not really doing anything wrong. I'm not having a physical relationship. But here's what happens. The opposite sex notices things that our spouse isn't noticing anymore. They're building us up because they don't know how crazy we are at home. Amen, Pastor Rich? (laughs) And we begin to say it's no big deal. All the while we're building intimacy and talking about things that should only be shared with our spouse. And it starts the process. Matthew 5, 28 says, but I say... Anyone who even looks at a woman or a man, because women, we deal with lust too, has already committed adultery with him or her in his heart, justifying. It's a slow fade. And if we're not careful, you and I, we're going to follow in David's footsteps. The compromise not only led to them having sex, but guess what? Bathsheba got pregnant and they got caught. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, God will expose everything done in darkness. Don't think that you can get away with anything. You may get away with it with your family and with your peers and your friends because you're good at being sneaky, but God sees everything and he knows everything. And you know, after they got caught, Culture today would say, you know what, get an abortion, nobody will ever know. There's a reason that abortion is sin. 
It murders an innocent soul. And the mama, even though we say, hey, I'm better off, I've counseled too many women that had an abortion 15 years ago, 20 years ago, three years ago, that they can't shake it. It has followed them and it's haunted them and it's never a good choice because it's sin. I've never met a woman that wasn't haunted by that. But Jesus went to the cross for abortions too. There's forgiveness, there's healing, and there's restoration. But you've got to make the step forward to say, Jesus, I messed up. I messed up. Would you forgive me? Would you heal that spot that I can't shake? And would you restore my life? So how far is too far? The cover-up began, and let's look at what David did next. He brought Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, back from the battle, and he tried to trick him to sleep with his own wife so he could pin his, her pregnancy on him. Tricky. Deceitful. But guess what? Uriah slept at the palace entrance. Then David invited him to dinner. He got him drunk. He said, okay, now I really know how to get him. He'll even forget. He'll go home. He'll have sex with his wife. And then it's covered up. I'm good. But one half truth, one trick, one lie, it leads to more and more cover up. Isn't that the way deception works? Then David had Uriah killed on the front lines of battle. Listen to 2 Samuel eleven, fifteen to 17. The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is the fiercest. Then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. You guys, murder is not just killing someone. Anger kills people's spirits. Matthew 5, 21 and 22 says, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, we've been working on that one around here. (laughs) You are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Wrong intentions And lies kill people's trust. Sin is death. It kills your joy. It kills relationships. And it kills your future. Sin always has consequences. Always has consequences. Even if you're not caught. God sees and knows everything. And for David and Bathsheba, their consequence is their baby boy died. You see, James 1, 14 through 15 says, temptation comes from our own desires. 
which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed, say aloud. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. It drags you away until you're way too far. And it isn't always that physical death. It could be death of relationships, death of your dream, death of joy, maybe death of a vision that God gave you a long time ago. So how far is too far? I believe that deep down, every single one of us know the answer to that question. That's why we ask it for a friend so that we might be able to get away with a little bit more so that we're not feeling guilty. So how many sinners do we have in the room? How, how many have we, uh, have we gone too far? Amen. Look around. The Bible says we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all in the same boat. God is not mad at you for going too far. He is so crazy madly in love with you that he keeps beckoning you. He keeps giving you opportunity after opportunity saying, come back, baby, come back. Would you come back? So if you've gone too far today, easy fix. Number one, admit your sin and ask God for forgiveness. There is healing in forgiveness. Whether it's forgiveness for yourself or forgiveness for others, there's healing in it. The second step is you must repent. Even after David had done so much wrong, I mean, just in this story alone, alone so much wrong. But God said of David, he's a man after my own heart. And that's because he was humble, open, transparent, and says, hey, I don't want to live this way anymore. Lord, change me. In the New Testament, there was a woman caught in the very act of adultery. And all the townspeople pulled her, you know, you know how we like to go tattle on people, right? So pulled her to Jesus and said, this woman was committing adultery. And Jesus said to everybody else, he said, those of you that have never sinned, will you throw the first stone? And nobody could. And she said, nobody condemned me. And Jesus said, neither do I. But he didn't leave it there. He didn't say, baby, you're forgiven. I'm so proud of you. He said, no, go and sin no more. Don't keep finding yourself wrapped up in the same thing over and over again. Grace is not a free ticket from hell. It's an opportunity for you to continue to get better. Amen. Have you guys seen that meme that says, uh, don't judge someone just because they sin differently than you? I want you today to love yourself right where you're at. And I want you to love your neighbors the exact same way. Would you all stand all over this house? As you're standing, I want you to know that David went on to be a great king. 
and he and Bathsheba had a son named Solomon. And he was the wisest, richest king ever. There is restoration in Jesus. And I believe there are people here today that you need to feel the forgiveness. You need to heal. You need to be restored. And I'm going to ask you today to do the scariest thing you've probably ever done. And it's to step out. We can get, get convicted right at our seats. And God can do anything right at our seats. But you know the blind man, when, God, when Jesus put mud on his eyes, he said, go wash. Jesus could have healed him the minute that he put the mud on his eyes. But he said, I want you to go wash. And I believe today, a big shout to the culture and a big shout to the enemy is to step out of your seat and come to the altar and say, God, here I am. I am taking a step that is going to speak for the rest of my life. God will take your burden. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and begin making your way down front. And some of you, go on. I know there's many. I know that the enemy's been beating you up, trying to keep you in a corner. And today is your day of freedom. We must surrender. And you may be sitting there and saying, I don't even have a relationship with this man named Jesus. Today is your day. I'm going to meet you right over here. If you're saying, hey, I've tried everything that I know to do, and I'm still struggling, but I've never given my life to Jesus, would you come? We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.